0: MyPatriotSupply.com. Here
1: you go. Here you go. Freedom. Nothing personal. Word of the day, November 20th. It's a Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. TGIF. Freedom is the word of the day. Freedom is not the song by George Michael, which I love. There was a freedom, a freedom 90. I don't want your Freedom. Nope. I'm talking about freedom. Here's what freedom means. I'm gonna stand up now. I'm gonna walk out of the room. I'm gonna go get food. I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna say what I want. Freedom. I'm talking about the type of freedom that America has, that our country has, that people fought for. Why is freedom word of the day? Because people I think are misunderstanding. Our country at the moment, and it manifested itself through a player wife. So there's a little bit of an intersection here, CBS. Pay attention. I got the intersection. The intersection of sports and freedom happened when Kelly Stafford opened her yapper. Kelly Stafford is the wife of Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. He's fine. The Detroit Lions have won, I think, three out of the last five Super Bowls. They are a team that is a powerhouse. He signed one of the biggest contracts in all NFL history. His father was a professional baseball player named Pat Mahomes, and he's a superstar. And he's married to a woman who believes that she's got a platform and once in a while uses the platform this is going to be a tightrope I'm walking. So I'm holding on if you're watching. I'm holding on to the stick that people hold when they walk the tightrope because you're balancing. Here's what I'm balancing right now. I'm balancing me talking to you about using your platform and how important it is, no matter whether your platform is one person or a million people, using your platform to be better, to educate, to inform, to help people decide what kind of world they want to participate in, to live in, or to watch as an outsider. I'm all in on people using their platform. You know that. I've been all in from the beginning. The risk of a platform is when you say something that you immediately have to walk back. I've been pretty clear on nothing personal. I don't walk things back. When I say something, my brain is ahead of my mouth. I know exactly when I'm creating headlines. I know exactly when I'm trying to articulate a point and how I'm going to articulate it. That's why Coca and I prepare for the show. That comes with repetition and practice and walking right up to the line, but balancing yourself. So if you're going to fall, you fall to the left of the line, not to the right. And that was not a political statement. That was just me putting a line on my desk here. So Kelly Stafford lives in Michigan, because that's where Detroit is. And she's none too happy with what's happening with COVID to the point where she said on Instagram, I'm over living in a dictatorship that we call Michigan. So that created quite a buzz. And here's what happened. Just so we're clear, the Detroit Lions and the NFL saw the post, they called Matthew Stafford, They said, Matthew, tell your wife to delete that post right now and apologize. She went on, by the way, the whole post was not, I'm over living in a dictatorship that we call Michigan. She said, I understand there's a pandemic. I understand it's very scary. I'm scared of it too. If you're at risk, do not leave your house, blah, blah, blah. But shutting down all these small businesses, things that people have worked their life for, shutting them down again is not the answer because they will not make it. So once we are able to leave our house, once this dictatorship decides to let us have some freedom, there will be nothing left. She's trying to articulate the argument that you hear on cable news, whether you watch Fox, CBS, CNN, whichever side of the aisle you happen to be on. Is the treatment worse than the disease that's been asked for the last year with COVID? Was the shutdown necessary Has it helped? When you do something half-assed, it doesn't help. Either you do it or you don't do it. But just doing it for fun, for S's and G's, that's when you have a problem. So there's no doubt that this pandemic, we knew there'd be a second wave. We're in the second wave. And a complete shutdown is not helpful economically. And it's not helpful to curb the disease if people actually don't believe there is a virus not a disease. It's more of a virus. So people in Michigan are upset. And Kelly was upset. But here's where she's mistaken. I agree that she has the platform to talk. But where she's mistaken is that a dictatorship is Kazakhstan. A dictatorship is Cuba. Why don't people want to be in Cuba? Smart people don't want to be in Cuba. Now, I'm going to be careful here because I'm living, I've lived in Miami a long, long time. The re, and, and Castro is like the third rail if you're a Miamian. But I don't work for the Marlins anymore, so I don't have to worry too much. And I want to tell you my view. The people who stay in Cuba are people who don't understand and are scared of freedom. They can't leave because they're not allowed to. They are trapped by the dictatorship. And so they get, in many cases, the Patty Hearst syndrome, which means they fall in love with their captor. And they believe that the life they have is the best they can have. And there's nothing better. But when they speak to family members who are free, in Miami, as an example, they react in one of two ways. They are either jealous of that freedom, or they are looking at that freedom with contempt and disdain because they know they can't have it, it's foreign to them, and they don't believe it's what they want, no matter how much they're told that they should want it and how great it is. When Kelly Stafford talks about thinking that Michigan's a dictatorship, the reason how you know it's not a dictatorship is that she is online on Instagram, on her own computer with access to all websites, to the entire internet from a mansion in the suburbs of Michigan. By definition, that's not a dictatorship. Dictatorships exist to help enrich those who are the dictators, not those who are the wives of the quarterbacks in the dictatorship. The very reason that Kelly Stafford has the thing she has is because she lives in America where she's free. Remember, folks, I am not begrudging her right to talk. I am merely saying she talks of subjects she knows not of. The minute her husband called her, they went into damage control because you don't throw around the word dictatorship. You either shut it or be smart about your comments. Her basic principle that one of her friends lost her business or that people are losing their businesses, that is an unfortunate, terrible result of the virus, but it has nothing to do with our type of government. It has everything to do with our government. So she then apologizes and the apology was worse I'm really sorry. All right, y'all. Here's what I do best. Coming back to apologize. After I read some of your things and I get grounded a little bit, I'm really sorry. I was in the heat of the moment. Coca taught me something that I absolutely used when I ran the Marlins, but I wasn't using it in my life post-Marlins. Remember the 30-minute rule I have with the Marlins, which is I'm not going to make any decision within 30 minutes of a win or a loss because that means you're going to be emotional. And when you make decisions based on emotion, you make wrong decisions every time. Before I send out a tweet or post something on Instagram, Coca asked me to do two things. One, is your tweet or Instagram post going to make a difference to anyone? Will it matter? Are you commenting on something that matters? does it only matter to you? Two, are you doing this as a reaction to something that you have not fully thought through for a minimum? How long, Coca? Since I send you all the tweets before I send them just to make sure I don't violate the rule, how long do you like me to wait before I tweet? It's not 30 minutes. What's your rule? Like three minutes? A three-minute rule where you reread the tweet and make sure that it's a conversation you want to be in. So Stafford's not doing that, that's for sure. So Coca has amended his rule, by the way, which is really funny. It used to be, he's whispering to me, it used to be three minutes, but now, having been with you for a year on Nothing Personal, my new rule that I don't want you to violate, Samson, is this. Don't do it until we actually talk. All right, fair enough. I've been pretty good about that, by the way, Coca. So she apologizes, which is something I would never delete a tweet. I've never deleted a tweet. The only tweets I delete if there's like a grammatical error and then I'll mostly just correct it in a follow-up tweet or when Coca says delete that tweet because there's something wrong with it that Coca was involved in, we'll do that. But other than that, no tweet deletes. If I do something wrong, I'm going to wear it, which makes Coca nervous because he's got debt. I'm really sorry I was in the heat of the moment. I apologize for calling it a dictatorship. Probably a not-so-smart use of words. If you have to say in a statement, probably not a not so nice use of words, you know the answer to that. I just want it to work for everybody. And I know it's not going to work for everybody. And it just kills me to see people suffer a financial burden from losing their business and for also from getting sick. But I don't know. I apologize. I don't know whether that was wordsmith by the PR people in Detroit, because it was horrible. Not even a good apology. So here's my message for you, Kelly. I want you to thank your lucky stars that you live in America, which is free. I want you to appreciate and speak to people who live in a dictatorship and appreciate the nightmare they have. That is not COVID related. It's not virus related. It is I was born related. People talk about winning the birth lottery. You're born in this country. By definition, you've won the birth lottery. By definition. I think Matthew Stafford would be well-served to throw touchdown passes, not throw interceptions, try to win games, and tell his wife to be more responsible with the use of her social media platform because it makes him look bad, it makes the Lions look bad, it makes the NFL look bad, and they don't like that. That'll do it, Kelly. Freedom is the word of the day, and I'm free to tell you that you made a mistake. All right, I got an update from yesterday's show. We predicted that uh, Clay Thompson would be free all next season, and he is. He ended up with a major Achilles injury. That will be two years out of five that he will not play of his five-year max extension. And by the way, it's the first two years, not the last two. So the Warriors have a problem. They had a decent draft. They got Steph Curry coming back from his injury. But Clay Thompson suffers a season-ending whether they play 82 games, although they're scheduled to play 72, whether they play 72 or 62 or 52, whatever they play. Clay Thompson, OU Triple T. That'll do it. So that's one fewer team I would say that the Knicks have to worry about. The Knicks are in the news today because they released everyone. The New York Knicks created $40 million of cap space. Everyone pause the show right now, please. If you're downloading and subscribing, thank you very much, by the way. Please tell your friends about nothing personal. I would appreciate that. I love doing this. It's been a week. I'll tell you that. Pause and tell me, can you name five members of the New York Knicks? Keep in mind, this was my favorite team. You see the Patrick Ewing behind me all the time. You know my favorite sports moment of all time was 94-90 Knicks over Pacers, Game 7 of the 1994 Conference Finals to go to the NBA Finals where they lost in seven games to the Rockets in the worst moment of my sports life, Game 7. Can you name five Knicks? My favorite team, I can't name five Knicks. They created $40 million of cap space today. And why did they do it? Because in other news, Gordon Gecko is now a free agent. Why that's important is he was a member of the Boston Celtics. He had an ability to opt out of his contract and become a free agent, and he did. He was due to be paid $35 million. Meanwhile, Hayward is injured all the time. Remember, he signed that huge max deal with the Celtics and got injured like in his first game and was out for the year. Then he came back, but then he got hurt again right when the bubble started. He's the guy who came back. In the middle of the series, they lost to the Miami Heat. Is this ringing a bell with anyone? So this guy says, you know what? I'm done with Boston. And by the way, Boston was thrilled. So he opts out of his deal. Now, why would he opt out of a $34 million deal? Remember, he had a great career with the Jazz. This is the same guy, Gordon Hayward with the Jazz. He's so far past being a superstar that he's perfect for the Knicks. This would be an Isaiah Thomas-like signing. Not Isaiah Thomas, the player, Isaiah Thomas, the executive. This would be a James Dolan special. Except they've got new management. They brought in this guy. Is it, is it, uh, it's, it's Leon Rose, but I think I have the name wrong. I recall them. They signed this great new executive, Coca, do I have it wrong? The guy running the Knicks. In any case, I think I have it right. It's Leon Rose. Wait, God damn, Coca! Friday, it ain't Friday in my brain, pickled as it may be. They bring in Leon Leon Rose to try to work with James Dolan to try to bring a winner to New York. If Gordon Hayward signs with the Knicks any sort of long-term deal at any amount greater than $34 million a year, which he just walked away from, then the Knicks are the Knicks are the Knicks are the Knicks are the Knicks Knicks and they suck 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 and they suck. I didn't use my diaphragm on that. I'm out of breath. (gasps) They suck. He's not worth that. But James Dolan doesn't care and here's why. Do you know what's happened while James Dolan hasn't won you, the fans, don't care. You complain on Twitter. Steven Smith complains. People on CBS, everyone complains. I laugh about it with Richard Hamilton in the CBS studios pre COVID. The value of the Knicks has at least tripled since he bought them. Corporate sponsorship skyrockets. JP Morgan gives them a bundle per year, and they couldn't even shave off a little stripple for our naming rights. And they do stuff with the Garden and with the Knicks as though they don't care. Lawsuits against men for sexual harassment, we don't care. In the lottery every year, we don't care. Arguments with Charles Oakley, we don't care. James Dolan stepping in it, we don't care the support that the corporate world in New York gives the Knicks, the support that the fans, by buying tickets with outrageous prices for a product that literally blows, you keep doing it. So why would anyone change their behavior when it's benefited them in every way? You think Dolan wants to hold a trophy at the end of the year? Maybe. It'd be nice. It's not his priority, that's for sure. With these ass decisions that keep being made. If Gordon Hayward signs with the Knicks, I am willing to say that I'm done. Although I can't name five Knicks now. And I'll never be done because I love them. Maybe that's the whole point. Maybe we're all this way. That is the point, ladies and gentlemen, and those who are not either. That is the point. You can abuse me all you want. Poor choice of words. You can, yeah, no, as a fan. It's fan abuse and I keep coming back for more. <clears throat> Gordon Hayward is a free agent. The Knicks have $40 million in cap space. The Hawks have $40 million in cap space. Where's he going to go? I'm going to say he's going to go to the Knicks. Not a way to see, Coca. I've got a better way to see. Actually, I don't. Let me think. All right, I'm doing it, Coca. Put it in the show right now. Gordon Hayward is going to sign with the Knicks. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm despondent to even say it. I'm more despondent that it's going to happen. But there you have it. Gordon Hayward will sign with the New York Knicks. Wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something that's going to happen and then it either does or doesn't. I had a great wait to see the other day, Coca. The other day, like months ago. On September 3rd of 2020, I said to you when Araldus Chapman got suspended for three games, that's the closer for the Yankees, when he threw at Mark Rousseau's head, the guy for the Rays, who then later on hit that big home run in the uh, deciding game of the round of playoffs where the Rays beat the Yankees in five games in the wildcard round. Remember when Chapman gave up the home run without buzzers, without stealing signs, no garbage cans? Well, he had been suspended for three games. And on September 3rd, I gave you a wait to see. That said, he'll appeal the suspension and the suspension will be reduced to two games. Well, lo and behold, MLB announced that Araldis Chapman suspension has been reduced from three games to two. I got that way to see, right? I get them wrong too, and I'll, I'll, re- I'll revisit it, I promise you. But I got that one right. How did I know? That's how it works with MLB and the union. There is a head of discipline. Now it's Chris Young. It used to be Joe Torre. And they will always give a suspension for greater than it will end up being. And I don't mean for PDs like Robinson Cano. I'm talking about for on-field fights, for any sort of suspensions like that. And then the player appeals so the player can keep playing before the appeal is heard. And then the appeal is heard. And then as part of an agreement with the union and Central Baseball, they're always reduced. Always. So the fix was in. If you know now what I knew then, and you do know now because I'm telling you now what I knew then and now you'll know going forward, don't let me give you a way to see when someone gets suspended five games for throwing in someone's head or for charging the mound or for fighting and me telling you that it's going to be reduced because now you know the truth. They're always reduced. Aralis Chapman is now down to two. That was my So You Want to Talk to Samson. Okay, we're going to do a review when we come back. We're going to get to an interesting So You Want to Talk to Samson, and I've got a special birthday shout out. Come back, please, to nothing personal. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win. You win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? call 1-800-GAMBLER, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson, and today is Friday, November 20th, 2020, 11-2020. You know that earlier this week, I reviewed Friends from College Season 1, and I told you I was going to binge Friends from College Season 2, and I did. Let me start by reviewing season two and telling you, actually, I said that wrong. Let three, one, four. Let me start by telling you that I am despondent beyond repair that that was a two-season show. I left season two wanting a season three and a four. There is way more meat on the bone. I don't know why it was canceled other than a contract dispute, other than a financial dispute, other than the producers of the show not coming to agreement with the distributors like a Netflix. But with Fred Savage and Key and Kobe Smulders and Nate Nat Faxon, season two, remember I told you about season one where this group of friends from college and everyone is having sex with everyone else. Season two was the comeuppance where everyone discovered what everyone was doing and Fred Savage was getting married and it's all based on his engagement party and his marriage and his wedding and all the things that happened with the friend group. And it ends, season two does, spoiler alert, it ends what they would consider in a neat way and what I would consider in a launch way, where they can launch to future seasons with how it ended. It is smart, it is witty, it is emotional, it is sad, it is laugh-out-loud funny, and it's important. Friends from College is well done. Season two, if you can check it out after having watched season one, eight episodes, about a half hour each, you will get through it in no time at all. Okay, nothing personal, pick of the day. We're going to do a pick of the day. We're 33 and 31. Uh, I want to pick an NFL game this Sunday because something came up that I want to talk about very briefly. It's called a trap game. Mike Tomlin is the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was asked about the game with the Jaguars. The Steelers are uh, 9-0, and the Jaguars are 1-8, and and the Steelers are favored by 9 and the Steelers then on Thanksgiving play the Ravens in a critical game and a, 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 a rematch of, of the game a couple of weeks ago that was pretty cool, and He was asked, is this a trap game? And Mike Tomlin had a great response. He said in the NFL with only 16 games, there are no trap games. In Major League Baseball, we had trap games. That's a real thing in baseball. When you're playing a three-game series against an opponent, you've got your two best pitchers going. And then in your third game, you're playing a team that you should sweep. You've won the first two. You've got your number four starter against their number eight starter. You definitely should sweep. It's important to sweep that's a trap game. Because in baseball, on any given day, a team can lose. And it's hard in baseball to get up if you're a player, even an executive for 162 games. There are very few off days. It's just a mental grind. Football, to me, there are no and should be no trap games the way there are in baseball, period, hard stop. If you are a good coach, the way Mike Tomlin is, You cannot allow your team to even have a close game with the Jaguars when you know you've got Thanksgiving coming Thursday. You want a blowout game. You want to rest your guys in the fourth quarter of this game. You don't want Ben to have to play in the fourth quarter at all. So my concern with picking this game, and I'm going the Steelers minus nine and a half, my concern picking the game is that a nine and a half point spread in a blowout game where you sit your guys in the fourth quarter has every opportunity to be a BDC, and BDC scare me for myriad reasons, but I believe, and I'm going to go with my pick of the day, Steelers, nine and a half over the Jaguars. I do not believe there will be a BDC, aka backdoor cover. Nothing personal pick of the day. We'll revisit it Monday, see how we did that game. is Sunday, looking to go back to 34 and 31. Okay, Coca, we got to revisit something. This was a strange question. I wanted to address it today, though. You know what? I, oh, ah, 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 I want to talk to Samson. How are ya? you? You want to talk to Samson? Fair enough. So you want to talk to Samson is a segment. Follow me on Twitter at David P. Samson. Uh, tell your friends about nothing personal. Have them follow and then they can get in my DMs and ask a question. This was a sort of long question, but a fascinating topic. Huge fan of NP and your appearance on the Levitard Show. I have a question in regards to the scandal with the Braves a few years back with international signings. Why was Coppolella banned for life over the infractions? Were they that bad to warrant, or was it to send a message to future culprits? That is a question that we have never addressed here on nothing personal. So let me give you the story, and then let me tell you what happened, and then let me answer the question. You're talking about John Capolella. If you know that name, he was the general manager for the Atlanta Braves working for John Hart, who was the chairman of the Braves, vice chairman, whatever his title was. They had John Sherholtz as a vice chairman. They had Terry McGurk, who was the control person for a team that was owned and is owned by Liberty Media. So Capolella is a lifer in baseball had been in the game forever, had worked his way up, been in a bunch of different positions, finally became a GM and was running the baseball side of the Braves. There are people in the game and I was in the game at this time. Capolella had what I would describe AGM power, more of an assistant GM. He was doing sort of the work that John Hart and John Scherholz didn't want to do. He was taking care of budgets. He was taking care of arbitration. He was taking care of there's so much administrative work to be done. He would be in charge of international and, and making sure that international scouting was going right, making sure the pro scouts were assigned to where they needed to be assigned, coordinating everything for the winter meetings and the GM meetings. But when it came down to, you know, trades and signing big time free agents, that was going to be handled with, with, by John Hart and by John Sherholtz. No matter how much they tell you they were not involved, it's wrong, they were completely involved but where they're not involved and where they let Coppola have sort of the power was on the in the Dominican and on the international side what happens in the Dominican is it is a absolute cluster of moral turpitude it is ripe for fraud it is a total total cluster duck whenever i go to Dominican, first of all, security is supplied to you by Major League Baseball and by the team. So we had an academy in the Dominican. We'd go down, we'd be met at the airport. We would never go anywhere without an escort. We would go to where we would see players. And the way it works is young kids have what's called a Busconi. A Busconi is an agent. A Busconi has a stable of players. They go from team to team and they let the players do workouts then they get a team to agree to sign the player. In the old days, here's what would happen. You weren't allowed to sign an international player until he turned 16. But we would go to the player and say, hey, I know your guy's 14, but we're going to commit to signing you. We're going to let you live with us. We're not going to tell anyone. So we can have a bed and hot meals And on top of that, we're going to sign your friends. Now, your friends suck, but we're just going to give them a little bit of money. And we're going to give them a bed because we want to hide you away and not let any other team see you work out or think that they have a chance to sign you. And then the day you turn 16, the day you can sign, we're going to officially sign you to a contract for this pre-agreed amount. And by the way, normal agents like Boras get 5%. These Busconis can take as much as 30%, 40%, 50%. And here's how much I cared as President of the Marlins. Zero. It's it's not nice of me to say, but I'm just telling you the truth because that's what we do on Nothing Personal. Zero. The Busconis want the money. I'm dealing with the Busconis. If these kids don't get the money, Not my problem. I want the player because I need 50 Dominican players to try to get one or two major leaguers. And I'm going to take them. I'm going to pretend I teach them English. I'm going to pretend I teach them how to cook and clean and give them a trade. And the minute they're not good at baseball, I'm going to let them go. And I'm never going to follow up. Now, today, all these teams claim by the way, you know what? This is not me being bitter, but I just want to tell you the damn truth. The New Marlins have this system where they think they're doing it better than we are, where they are having classroom study. They hired a bunch of people to live in the Dominican. They want all these kids learning English, and they're going to follow them through and give them a degree and all this great PR stuff. Really? Come on, man. I know the truth and now everybody does too. Eyewash. Pure, unadulterated eyewash. Believe me, I ran a team. I participated in the formation of eyewash for a long time. Not anymore. Not anymore. We care about players, signing players who are good, and the minute they're bad, we throw them away. And then we pretend we don't do it. The reason why there's fraud is that everyone's hiding players. How do you stop that? MLB said, we have an idea. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to give everyone international slot money. You cannot spend more than $5 million, let's say, on signing international players. So the Busconis can't go from team to team and have the rich teams give $15 million to everybody. You get $5 million, whether you're a rich team or a poor team, large revenue, small revenue. That's what you have. That's it. Now, you can trade for additional international slot money and we were really good at that because we didn't budget to spend $5 million internationally. We would budget to spend $2 million internationally and then we would trade the right to our slot money to get bullpen help during the season to try to make the playoffs. And then we get criticized for it. But teams like the Dodgers would always take slot money because they'd love to throw money around in the Dominican because why not? If the guy sucks, no problem. We've got the money. But the problem comes when you're using your slot money and you are lying about who's getting what. Here's the problem and the rule. There is a limit to what players can get. For example, there are some teams who cannot because of violations with the amount of money they can spend can only give a player $300,000 max. That's the most. Because the penalty in the collective bargaining agreement states that if you go over your slot by, let's say, 5%, you're allowed to, but then you are in the penalty box the year after, and you can only spend no more than $300,000 for a player, which means you have access to not as good players. How do teams avoid that? Well, here's what they did in Atlanta. Atlanta. They brought in a player. They said, I want you. And the Busconi said, he's a million dollars. And Atlanta said, I only got 300 grand to spend. I can only give you 300 grand. And the Busconi said, no problem. We're going to go somewhere else. And Atlanta said, I got an idea. I'm going to sign your kid for 300 grand. Bring 10 other schleppers with him. We're going to give them all 50 grand. They're not worth 500. Let them keep 500s. So they have some pocket money to buy some food. And then you give the other 49,500 to your kid. So that kid gets an extra 49,500 times 10, which is another, 400, another $490,000. And all of a sudden I can now give your kid $790,000. Are you getting that? Now multiply that by 10. Do how many times we'd have to sign? The Marlins just did it, by the way. When they signed Victor Victor Mesa, did you notice that Victor Victor Mesa went to a team who also had to draft his brother? And I don't know his brother's name. These package deals happen all the time because there's a limit to the amount of money you can give to a player. What Capolella did is he paid players to give their money to other players so those players would get more, and he got caught. Of course, MLB investigated. They found that John Hart had nothing to do with it. They found that John Sherholtz had nothing to do with it. They found that Terry McGurk had nothing to do with it. They blamed it on Capolella and on the head of scouting, Gordon Blakely, they banned Blakely for a year, and they banned Capalella for life, a lifetime ban, a la Pete Rose. They had to protect Scherholtz. They had to protect Hart. Here's the reality. I'm president of the Marlins. I get a list. I don't know the Dominican players. I'll go down and look at Cespedes. We went to look at him. But I don't look at the $300,000 players our head of international scouting, works with our head of scouting and development, works with our GM, works with our president of baseball operations. I then get a list. I give my president a budget. You've got $3 million to spend. He then says, here's the player. Here's the amount. Here's the player. Here's the amount. Here's the player. Here's the amount. I know to ask questions, anybody at 250 grand or more, I want to know. And I point out to our president of baseball operations, your ass is on the line and so is mine, because if we have done something wrong, we're both out. I'm not gonna make you take the fall, and you're not gonna make your head of international scouting take the fall. It's up to us to make sure that we are operating correctly. So we would go down to the Dominican, we try to go down once a year. Our president of baseball ops would go down at least once a year, just to do like a quality control check, just to make sure that we're giving money to people who have a pulse. And when we see clusters of players from a Busconi, we're going to check on that. We're going to make sure that we can explain the value that we are paying to a player. I kid you not, the equivalent of what Atlanta did would be giving me and Coca a $1 million bonus to play baseball. That wouldn't exactly pass the smell test. So I do believe that he should have been banned. I don't believe he should have been banned for life. And I know for a fact I know for a fact the reason why he was banned for life is the Dominican was such a cluster that they had to make an example, and they did, and they cleaned that up. Is it perfectly clean? Not a chance. The Dominican will never be perfectly clean because there is so much opportunity, because there's so little oversight. MLB has an office. They try to do oversight. They're trying now to make sure that we don't draft players who we say are 18 and they're actually 30. That's good for clubs to know, but it's really hard. So I believe that a message was attempted to be sent by MLB, but no message was received by any owners and presidents because we didn't learn anything from the Atlanta Braves situation. We knew this stuff was going on, and we had to do our best to have internal controls. And for John Scherholz and for John Hart, who ended up stepping away, and that's when the Braves hired Alex Anthopoulos, for John Hart to claim that his head was in the sand, it's just unfortunate. This predates Jim Crane and Jeff Luna with their head in the sand about Stein stealing, but it's just as egregious in my opinion. Thank you for that. So you want to talk to the Samson question? I appreciate it. Okay, we have a birthday. I want to end the show with a birthday. Four score years ago, Jeffrey Loria was born. I want to give a shout out to Jeffrey Laurie on his birthday, and in honor of his birthday, I want to go over a few things and a few misunderstandings, and I want to give you a list. I want to give you a top five misunderstandings list about Jeffrey Loria. When you own a team, you are a public figure. When you own a team, you are subject to great criticism, and the only people— who the only owners who are universally loved are owners who are irresponsible financially, are owners who are willing to spend and spend to spend with reckless indifference toward profitability, with reckless indifference toward any sort of business model, and frankly, with reckless indifference toward whether they're going to win or lose, but they just want to spend so they can be loved for having tried. But even that wears off. So by definition, an owner is up against it from a PR standpoint. We have suffered our share of PR foibles. But there are five misunderstandings about Jeffrey Loria that I want to clear up for his birthday. By the way, happy birthday, Jeffrey. Healthy and happy birthday. You don't look a day over 60, and I'm serious. It's amazing how good you look and how uh, just thank you. Happy birthday. Number five. The relationship you had with your players and employees, people misunderstood that, thought that, like me, that it was all business. But no, your relationship with your players and employees was always positive, was always based on you wanting to do what was right for your players and employees. You did things that unless you work at the Marlins, you never knew about. Players started to talk about it when they get traded to other teams, and they'd say, wow. Loria did that for you? Or employees who had another owner come in in 2017 who would say, whoa, you created a family atmosphere here for your employees. You cared about us. The misunderstanding is that you, Jeffrey, did not care about your employees or your players when it was the opposite. You did more for players than any other owner I came across. And I'm not talking about, you know, Mark Cuban dropping off Dr. Dre's and a PlayStation in the locker room. I'm talking about when there were personal issues. I'm talking about when there were emergencies. I'm talking about when you would call kids who were drafted, when you would call players who we traded for, when you would go to the hospital and visit players who were hurt, when you would help a player when his father died, and the list goes on and on. When you got players the best care when they had injuries, the best plastic surgeon, you did things that people did not know about because you didn't do it for publicity. You did it because you wanted to and because it's right. Number four, the fourth biggest misunderstanding is charity. There is all sorts of talk that the New Marlins are involved in the community. You want to get in there and, and do what's never been done. That is bull. You gave more money through budgeting to the community than any team I know. You gave more money personally. You gave more items, more time. You gave our entire company the ability to take days off to do nothing but charitable work through IUDAN, which is a program that you had to fund and you had to approve. For those who think that he is not charitable, you couldn't be more wrong. For those who think that he wasn't involved in the community, I don't work for him anymore. I have no reason to say these things. You know this. You couldn't be more wrong. The number three biggest misunderstanding about Jeffrey Loria, meddling. What a meddling owner he was. Nope. There's 30 meddling owners and they all meddle the same. There's equal meddling. He was no different. Believe me, there's not one owner that does not meddle. It takes on a negative connotation. Why? I don't know. You're the owner. Number two, the second biggest misunderstanding is on finances and financial losses. I'm the one who had to get Jeffrey to wire the money in to cover payroll. I'm the one who had to get Jeffrey to wire money in. Did he make money when the team was sold? Yes. Is that a guarantee? No. Does it feel good? Like we've talked about in the show? Hey, the team went up in value by $10 million. So therefore, we can lose $10 million this year. The team went up. That's the money to pay for it. No. You got to dig into your pocket, sell a painting, borrow money. The team had financial losses, significant ones. And that leads me to the number one biggest misunderstanding. The only thing that mattered to Jeffrey above all else was winning. It killed him to lose an at bat, to lose an inning, to lose a game. Forget a losing season. Winning mattered more than anything. It doesn't mean we did it right. We have a World Series, that means we did it right. It doesn't mean every signing worked, it doesn't mean every trade worked, but above all, he wanted to win. It is such a huge misunderstanding above all, the birthday boy wanted to win. And we did. We didn't win as much as we wanted to because we wanted another ring. But we will never, never have to give back 2003. Happy birthday, Jeffrey. Many more healthy ones. May you live at least two to three more score. Well, that's the show for today. I want to say that next week, There will be a Samson sit-down with Mike Ryan. Get ready for that of The Lebitard Show, producer of The Lebitard Show. And we're going to release the end-of-month mailbag. You guys were amazing. So many questions. The end-of-month mailbag will be released. That will be Monday, Tuesday. And then I will be taking vacation for Thanksgiving. I appreciate your loyalty. Please have a safe and good Thanksgiving. I will return the Monday after Thanksgiving, and you know what I'll be doing in between. I'll be looking for topics. I'll be looking for things that will keep us interested and keep us going and keep us entertained. So at the end of every day in the 45th minute, I can just say, hey, man, it's business. This is nothing personal. Here you go. Here you go.